And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. First fan cast of the New Year Drancer, a happy new year to you and to all the VIPs. To you as well, J-Pat. I hope you rang it in in your usual festive style, uh, listening to music, enjoying some great movies. Um, what, oh. what are the other What are the other things you love? Um, sweaters. Swimming you in, love sweaters. Swimming, swimming in the ocean or any fresh, <laughs> I guess, fresh water. Yeah. You don't like swimming in the ocean? No. <laughs> Why? Do you get like that Jaws anxiety? Is it the no, Jaws poster it's, it's anxiety? Cold. It's it's cold. It's there's people like you know, you'll go to the lake in the summer and it's oh it's so warm. Bullshit. It's not so warm. It's never so warm. And the ocean <laughs> is a whole nother story. And so this idea of the polar bear swim every year and these people, it's so invigorating. It looks ridiculous. It looks stupid. And so I got no time for the polar bear swim. Yeah, I'm a big like swimming in natural water guy. The key, J Pat, is you just have to take yeah. it. The, like, first of all, first of all, the, the thing about getting into a body of water is that there are, like, two lines that suck to cross. One is at your groin level and one is at your nipple level. Those lines yeah. always suck well, to I cross as you're getting I in. Never, I never get to the second one. Like, that's not even an issue for me. <laughs> so the key is, is when you're, when you're, like, lower thighs touch water, you just got to jump in all at once to avoid that. And then you got to go in a little deeper and swim to the bottom where it actually is cold. And then once you've done that, it's not cold anymore. And it only takes about six, seven seconds. And then it is quite invigorating. I'm a big, I'm a big swimmer. I, I saw PJ too did the polar bear swim. So I just wanted out there. We're starting off, you know, this Canucks season with you taking a very deeply personal shot at our Vancouver province colleague, uh, Patrick Johnson. Yeah, I saw a little too much of Patrick uh, on social. There were, yeah, I, 
scarred for I'm scarred for 2021. But look, it is it, it's hockey season, Thomas. I, I won't be near a beach or an ocean. Uh, they're not going to Fort Lauderdale or Sunrise, so it, that's not an issue for me uh, for the next little while. I'll be at the hockey rink, and I'm excited about that, and I'm feeling it because we've already heard from Travis Green and Jim Benning, and we've sort of been back in our natural habitats and done that. Uh, I, before we get to, and there, look, there's a ton of ground to cover now with yeah, the hammock news and stuff, but we're like kids in a candy store, and I say that because we have to uh, take a moment to recognize VIP Peter in Calgary, yes, who sent us a care package because he, like a lot of people, was following along the Tim Schaller bubblegum bet that I won and you didn't. Um, <laughs> and look, he wanted to celebrate with me, but he also felt sorry for you. So he sent us a care package that arrived the other day at the radio station when you and I were hosting. And so we were able to open it together and it was awesome. He works for a company that basically owns uh, Trident and Cadbury, and or at least the rights in Canada. Um, and so he put together this candy care package for the two of us, and we split it right down the middle. Except that I forced you to take the watermelon gum because I got no time for watermelon gum. I'm a big watermelon gum guy. I've been chewing it. It's delicious. And also, I am done all of the chocolate that was included in that care package already. Um Thank goodness I'm not doing the Travis Green bag skate beep test thing tomorrow. Uh, because, J-Pat, I'm not going to lie to you, <laughs> I am not training camp ready yet. <laughs> I need some Eye of the Tiger montage before I show up at the rink tomorrow or uh, or this is going to get ugly. Uh, you just got to run up the stairs of Rogers Arena like Rocky <laughs> ran up the stairs in Philly there and just uh, you know show up with a little toque and your sweats, your gray sweats, and away you go. Uh, but massive thanks to Peter. I mean, again, we yeah, always say we Peter, love the VIPs, but that was pretty cool. He wanted in. He, he, he liked the fact when I posted the gum that I chose when you finally paid up all those months later, and I posted the pic of Trident, and he was like, right on, you got the right brand there. So uh, he yeah. wanted us to mention hockey helps the homeless, so that's the nice. least we can do for Peter and get that shut out there and uh, check out uh, all the good that hockey helps the homeless does. So well, uh, we're off it, and running. Yeah. Let me, let me do Peter one better. And we don't usually do this, but it was, uh, I enjoyed it so much that I'd like to the like dairy milk Oreo bar. Oh, mint, mint. Oh, oh so good. Incredible. Mintier than the gum that I bought you for the Tim Schaller <laughs> bet. And, and uh, while we're while we're on the product placement bandwagon too, uh, I got the care package from our friends at Manscaped. And let me tell you, J Pat. Um, no, please don't. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> when, when when next when next I go sw- swimming in the ocean and cross the first threshold, the ocean itself will thank me. <laughs> Let's just leave it there. But again, <laughs> hell, uh, it it finally arrived though the 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 man. Well, it, my fault because I was or... in I was in Edmonton, right? And then right. I just like took a long time to get them my address. But but when they gave got me the package, like first of all, I was stunned um, by just like the presentation, and then yes. the and then a variety of the products. Um, you know, let's just say. Cleansing and refreshing, and and yes. my full throated. Oh, I'm not going to use that term on this one. Uh, my my, <laughs> my heartiest, my heartiest um, endorsement of uh, of the experience. So yeah, no, let's uh, we can move on now. I'm starting to feel awkward. 
No, see, we're giddy, though, and we're giddy because <laughs> it's hockey season, and we have player movement to talk about, and a training camp roster, and we're actually going to see bodies on the ice at Rogers Arena, and we'll see them in person, and I know you got to see it all summer. Look, man, it's been a long time. I mean, go back to July to the summer training camp was the last time uh, I was around the Vancouver Canucks in any way, so uh, serve it up, bring it on, really looking forward to it, and let's jump right in because, uh, you know, I think when last time we did this the last van cast at the very least, we kind of thought, all right, Jim, Jim's been talking for months about it's time for the young guys on defense. They're ready. They're going to get their opportunity. And then on the eve of training camp, uh, they dropped this Travis, Travis Hamannick news. And, and like, Hamannick's been out there for a while. He's been linked to the Canucks. Uh, his agent is in Vancouver. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of dots to connect, but uh, it kind of looked like maybe they were going to move forward with the players they had. And sure enough, they have invited Travis Hamnick to camp on a PTO, has to quarantine. He's been in Winnipeg, he comes here, league-mandated quarantine, so he's not going to be on the ice to start. And we found out from Jim Benning, like in Jim's words, this is an eight-day training camp, and Hamnick's starting a seven-day quarantine. Uh, there's some math there that tells you yeah, not much he's of a not going to be around. He's not going to be around much, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he'll be good to go when the season begins. Yeah, and I mean, look, Hamnick is a potentially big addition and and i know that calgary management thought he was well past his best by date right uh but i think a lot of analysts thought the same of tanev right and yet when i look at hammonick's skill set when i look at the fact that he's a right-handed shot and only the second right-handed shot on the canucks blue line who has any meaningful nhl experience um when i consider the sort of positive externalities, the spillover benefits that plugging Hamannick in on Hughes's right side might create elsewhere on the roster. I mean, now you can play Nate Schmidt on his strong side if you want with Tyler Myers. Now you can play Schmidt with Edler uh, or, or Schmidt with Edler, but with Schmidt and Myers taking some shifts together too to better manage Edler's minutes. Um, maybe you have a third pair where if a guy like Rathbone or Yolevi really makes a case to push Jordy Ben out of the lineup and back into the press box where he spent so much of last season or whatever the pandemic equivalent of a press box is, um, I think that's a much healthier dynamic for the young players. Like, I don't see this as taking a spot from a young guy. Uh, I think this creates a healthier dynamic for which a young defender can earn his spot as opposed to being gifted an opportunity to play third pair minutes. So... You know, I think this is a big win for the Canucks, and I'll be curious, too, to see what price point the ultimate deal comes in at. You know, the and I, and I did the math. I've been talking a lot about the Canucks' budget constraints. I asked Jim about it today, and, you know, what I've, what I've found is in terms of the proportion of which their salary has fallen, YOY, year over year, since they left the bubble. The Canucks are 30th out of 31 teams um, in terms of their the drop in their salary commitment. It's 25%. Like, it's a significant drop. And in a world of pro sports where you so often get what you pay for, like, the task for the Canucks is going to be to overachieve, like, outpunch their spend this season. And that's not a position we've seen the Canucks be in very often during the stewardship of the Aquilini Investment Group, right? When you consider this Hamannick move then and the fact that they have brought someone in, I'll be very curious to see what type of deal he gets. And I would expect, based on 
what we know about talks with Sammy Vatnin, um, what we know or what we've sort of heard rumblings in the market about talks with various other younger defenders where the Canucks were really looking for two-way as opposed to one-way deals, even though they were regular NHLers. Like when you think about all of that intel, uh, I do sort of suspect that this is going to be very much a value deal from a Vancouver perspective, and that's a huge win for the club. And potentially, especially if he can slot in beside Quinn Hughes, who, you know, I think can be a one-man breakout machine and make uh, a guy whose skills in transition are fading look uh, pretty credible, even in a matchup role at the NHL level, um, you know, I think this could be a huge win for Hamannick, too. It's, it's, it was almost too good a fit to not happen. Right. I, I kind of felt that way as well. Like, there just seemed like there were too many things uh, for this to ultimately fall through. And what a landing spot. And I do wonder if ultimately that was uh, sort of what tipped Hamannick's decision. If this spot is waiting there to play alongside a guy like Quinn Hughes, he was essentially locked to Noah Hannafin last year. I think those two played the most even strength minutes, the fifth most even strength minutes in the National Hockey League together as a pairing last year and you know that, that's a decent spot to be in but my god if, if that's the offer from the Canucks it's like we've got this spot here for a right shot guy basically to be Chris Tanev and there there are so many comparisons between Hamannick and Tanev right like almost the same age uh, profile a lot of the same sorts of things they've both battled yep. injuries here of late you know yep. speed and offense that's not what they're all about but stay at home tough minutes uh, penalty kill and so I look at this as, you know, Tanev and Hamannick is almost a push. I think in a perfect world, if the Canucks could have got Chris Tanev to stick around for one more year, they would have done that in a heartbeat. But he got the four-year offer in Calgary, and we'll see how that a deal ages. But just player for player, I see that as almost a push. Nate Schmidt is an upgrade on Troy Stetcher. And so with Hamannick in the fold now, the question is, can a guy like Ulevi step in and give you essentially what... Oscar Fantenberg did most nights. Yeah. And if he can, then the Canucks have upgraded, right? Like, Oh I, yeah. I think they uh, have upgraded um, straight up. Like I think even if, even if you like, maybe Yolevi can't give you what Oscar Fantenberg did, but I think Jordy Ben can give you, give you 98% of it. Right. So the, the floor is that you're, you know, even that sixth spot, you're going to be bet You're going to be at least as good in and your top four is massively upgraded. Um, with Schmidt. I mean, Schmidt's, uh, you know, I don't know if the VanCast listeners know this, J-Pat, but Nate Schmidt, really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, Hamannick, Hamannick just adds options. Like, that's the key. Hamannick gives this coaching staff flexibility to manage Edler's minutes, uh, to move Schmidt around, to play him on his strong side. Or when you're chasing a lead, you know, like if you're, if you're down in a game, you can roll Schmidt and Hughes uh, potentially as this like wildly dynamic um, pair that just pushes the pace. And maybe then you've got Myers and Edler or Myers and say it's Jack Rathbone who wins out, right? Uh, say it's, say it's Brogan Rafferty. You've got Edler and Rafferty, something like that, right? Like you've got these new options uh, that sort of can, I think help everybody like because Hamannick might be able to slot in up top. It could create, just like easier sledding and just a ton of different options, not to mention, and this is the biggest thing, right? Like this is by far the biggest thing. The Canucks are no longer one injury 
away from having Jordy Ben or a guy with no injury experience right. play 22 minutes a night. Like yep. that's the biggest thing. This reduces the Canucks risk profile so significantly. And you know, they still might need more depth. Like you'd still like to see them add another body in my view. And there's still good players out there. Like Ron Hainsey still doesn't have a deal. Madison Bowie still doesn't have a deal. like, there are still good players that are in my view worth bringing in, but man, does Hamannick give the Canucks a meaningful and potentially crucial safety net in a shortened season? Do you see this as a win for Travis Green, though? Because again, I go back to, you know, I do, and I don't, I don't know where it sort of came from, but repeatedly in this off season, when asked, Jim Benning kept saying, "Like these young guys are ready," and it's fine to say that, but you know they have to show it, and six minutes of sheltered time in the bubble. Uh, you know, really ultimately didn't. I mean, good for Ole Levy. He finally got into the NHL, but I don't know that we can read a lot out of uh, the exhibition game against Winnipeg and the one game that he played against Minnesota. But the stretch pass! The stretch pass, exactly. <laughs> will live on forever. Yes. Uh, the Hall of Fame has called for video, I believe, of, of the stretch pass. But, you know... It was a nice I, pass. I got, I got We're the being feeling... Jerks, but... <laughs> I got the feeling... I know, but it's more about the reaction of the market know, than the player and the pass. Of it, course. It, um... But, like, through all of this, I got the sense that while he wanted a contract for himself, <laughs> Travis also wanted one more piece on defense. Like, I don't think he was as ready to go into battle with these young guys as perhaps the general manager was suggesting. And so uh, I kind of look at a day like this and an opportunity for Hamannick. It's a win for Hamannick, but I also kind of feel like this one maybe was a win for Travis Green if he was the one that was lobbying internally to get one more body that gives him that flexibility that you talked about. Well, I don't know that Jim exactly held his cards close to the vest on this, right? Like, didn't he say specifically that, in fact, you know, this was something that the coaches and the and Green himself had pushed for, right? Like, he was explicit about it, uh, which I actually thought was one of the sort of only pieces of real news that came out of it. Well, something we can really sort of chew on was... You know, it was the coaches that were saying, hey, we need more options back here. Um, I think that's fascinating. And I'm curious to see if that's the last we've seen of this dynamic. Like, I think we're going to see it again in goal, especially if 10 days from now, it looks like the AHL is really going to start back up and you have an option for DiPietro to go back and play, you know, 40 games as opposed to sit on the taxi squad right like i mean there are going to be canadian goaltenders on waivers like there are going to be options for the canucks to snag a a vet third goalie um you know which would permit potentially some of your young guys your archers silovs and your mike di pietros to play meaningful games right like to play professional hockey this year uh so i i do think this dynamic will be tested again and clearly, and, and again, this is the other sort of interesting note, the financial landscape was, was cited explicitly by Jim as a reason that the green extension's not done. And right. so, you know, the Canucks are being frank with us to, you know, a, a, a degree in regards to the challenges of this offseason. But I do think the extent to which it's super dramatic, right? Like 30 teams in the NHL will have less payroll on their books this year than they did last year, right? Like, that's insane. There's only one team that's uh, bucking that trend, and it's the New Jersey Devils. So it's not like the Canucks are alone in this, but their cuts are the steepest with one exception 
in the entire league. And so I do think that this is like a really crucial thing to keep in mind because while the Canucks projected an aura of high expectations, if you look through years and years of hockey in the salary cap era and before, like the extent of your team's salary is very positively correlated with your record. Like (laughs) GMs are actually pretty good maybe not super efficient, but pretty good as a group at buying wins in this league. And, you know, the Canucks are, you know, they're looking to outpunch that. So uh, for me, that's the biggest single story coming into the season because it impacts everything from Canucks business side operations to the depth on this roster, to Travis Green's status, to what the Canucks will be able to do in season, to their third goalie. Like the extent to which budget is limited is for me like the thing we have to keep our eye on and and be laser focused on because it impacts everything else and it's clearly been pretty dramatic to this point. So we met with Jim Benning and Travis Green via Zoom. The buildup had been there. I guess the question is, did we let the VIPs down a little bit? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The general manager and the coach are available for the first time in what seems like forever and there were no fireworks. None. None. Like, Zero fireworks. So what happened? <laughs> what, like I, I'm still sort of racking my brain around the fact that there, uh, people were expecting these bombs to be dropped all over the place. And yet, I mean, the questions were asked. I think the issues were addressed. And maybe we're out of practice a little bit. I don't know if it was a rhythm thing. <laughs> Whatever the case, there were no fireworks. Well, look, I think the Travis Hamannick signing took some momentum out of the balloon, right? Like the first two yeah, questions, yeah. the first two questions were about Hamnick, and then IMac tactfully phrases, and honestly, it was a hilarious question. Like kudos to IMac phrases a question um, that sort of diffuses with humor the elephant in the room, and Jim had his prepared statement ready to go, and Green said the right things, and from there on out, like I was next up after that, right? So I was next up after that, and by that point, you know. Jim cited, right, in Jim's prepared statement, he cited the financial landscape, right? So once that was explicit, from my perspective, I was like, well, I'm not, if if he had said the right things and omitted that, I would have asked, right? Like I would have come back with a budget question and asked how much that was impacting Green's situation, but he'd addressed it. So the only follow-up fastball that I sort of had in my canister that I was thinking about beforehand was asking him about last offseason when he went to August without an extension, right? And managed sort of a draft and 
got into his last cycle as a lame duck, you know, and, you know, does it worry him considering the team's commitment to going young that you've got a coach with one year left making decisions that are clearly going to be based on, you know, or that are clearly going to influence the long-term health of your club, right? So that was the fastball that I had in the canister to ask, but I just didn't think that it was going to elicit anything interesting, right? Like, I don't think that was the venue to get Jim to reflect on on that, you know, through the context of his own experience with the organization last year. So I instead decided I thought it was my role at that point in the availability to get them to put down some benchmarks, right? So I asked the classic, like, what are your expectations? Uh, and then once they answered that, I came back with a question about whether or not budget constraints should influence those expectations. Um, you know, I, look, that was my approach. Uh, you didn't get called for like eight other people because I think they knew. I know. <laughs> I think they knew. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, you know, I, they knew who was going to come out swinging. Um, so, yeah. So, maybe I don't think we let the VIPs down. I just think it was the rhythms of the presser and, and the news yeah, of the none. day sort of worked to, to their benefit in terms of diffusing the awkward you know, questions or tension that were certainly out there. And, and this had a lot of potential to go that way, but it didn't, I, I won't, I won't say it was a walk in the park for Jim and Travis, but it was pretty close to painless. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, this market, the big buildup of the big, bad media clobbering these guys over the head. I like this thing was, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, friendly is cordial. Certainly is. Uh, I think the word that, and, there's respect both ways here. Like, I don't know yeah. what people were anticipating. Uh, we got the answers, and, and you're right. I think, obviously, both sides, uh, certainly both parties, Jim and Travis, have had lots of time uh, to know that this day was coming. And, and they said the right things and, and, again, reiterated how much they, they do both want to make this thing work. And I totally believe that they it's do. It's totally so, true. Yes. I, I, I agree with you. That is genuine. Right. So it's just a question of what's going to change. Is it going to take... You know, uh, getting word that people are going to be able to be back in the seats and sell tickets and get the financials rolling again for the organization is, you know, is he, it's hard for me to believe that they would let him get to free agency because I think if he does, he probably is gone at that point. So again, we've said this many, many times, the story's not going away until he puts pen to paper, but he is going to start training camp at the very least uh, without an extension. And so thereby he is. Uh, a lame duck coach, whether you like it or not. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation is he's working into the, the final year of his deal that, you know, we just don't see that happen very often at this level. No, and, and you know, Mac pointed out in his question that it's not a foreign situation in the NHL this year. And looking it over, like, listen to this roster of coaches coaching in their lame duck seasons this year. Rick Tockett, Bruce Cassidy, Rod Brindamore, Jared, or sorry, Jeremy Collett, Whatever, Colton, Colton, yeah. <laughs> Jeff, well, whatever, cool youth you pastor. Dropped a whatever. You dropped Colton. a whatever on an NHL head coach. <laughs> For an original six team in a huge market. <laughs> but whatever, he's like, coach, cool youth pastor, I'm over it. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Blashill, um, and then Green. Um, that's a lot of good bench bosses. Like Cassidy, Tockett, Brindamore, Green. Like, those four are all top 15. Those are all av above average NHL bench bosses, for sure. And, like, Bruce Cassidy and Rod Brindamore might be better than that, right? Like, they might be elite. Right, yeah. So, yep. um, you know, it's an interesting situation um, for a lot of people. Uh, but I do think that the green situation is a, a little bit different, just in that, 
he's been with the org for seven years. You know, like this is not uh, the only the only real analogy would be Brindamore, right? Who's been with the who's like the face of the franchise. Like Green is longer tenured and and has more sort of to do with the direction this club's been going in for the last five years. Um, so look, it's a huge story. I, I don't think it's an ideal situation. Um, I don't think that anyone's happy with it, but clearly they're going to do their best to, uh, put it aside, focus on getting results and, and letting the chips fall where they may. And at the very least, I do think the public expression of goodwill, like that green would prefer to stay here and that, uh, Jim would prefer to keep him. Like, I do believe that those things are true. And whether or not that will matter enough to get this done, ultimately, uh, that'll be a big question that we'll be asking, I'm sure, uh, in every availability that Jim does anyway, if not Travis, uh, throughout this season. You know, one of the things that I asked about, sort of the logistics of this camp and whether there would be cuts and things that we've talked about before. But, you know, when Jim said it, I I can look at a calendar and and read it, but to hear Jim say, you know, this is an eight-day camp. Like, we have waited months for training camp. I know. This essentially is an eight-day camp because there was a travel day to Edmonton before the first game on the 13th. Like, you think about the decisions that have to be made over an eight-day camp. And so, again, day one on Monday, uh, split into two groups. I, I can't wait. Like, I can't wait to show up to the rink and see... And Travis Green can, you know, warn us repeatedly about don't read into things. I'm reading into things. I am. Oh, yeah. Camp is just too short here. And so can't wait. Like, I know you and Arm have a piece up at The Athletic. And, like, I laughed a little bit just the way it was framed. You know, questions heading into camp. And it was like, who's going to be on the wing on the top line? Who's going to be on the wing on the second line? What about all the other wingers? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. And, like, we, we go through the exercise and we don't have a space for McEwen, and we don't have a space for Jace Howerluck. Like, I think those guys are going to have really credible shots at making the roster, right? Um, and then and then we've got a piece dropping tomorrow where we go through it. And, you know, while we say there's tons of questions, like, I've sort of sketched it out in terms of, like, locks, probables, right? Like, I'm tiering what I expect from a 23-man roster. And with the Hamannick edition, if we're assuming that Hamannick is in... Um, I don't think there's a lot of spots. Like I only, I think, I think we can be pretty confident about 21 or 22 of the spots on the 23 man roster. Like actually there's less up for grabs than I'd expected considering this is a team that had every single pending unrestricted free agent depart this right. off season. Right. Um, you know, like, like here, let me let me give you my locks. You tell me if uh, if you disagree with any of you guys on this list. Uh, and this is going reverse order based on cap hit. Myers, Edler, Schmidt, Besser, Horvat, Miller, Sutter, Holtby, Pearson, Vertanen, Mott, Demko, Godet, Pedersen, Hughes, and I'll add Hamannick to that group. Like that's a lot of names. It is. I mean, the only one that jumps out at me, but he's, yeah, he's a lock, is is Brandon Sutter. I don't fully know what his role is, um, you know, because I put him in sort of that group of, there's a bunch of them there. I mean, with Louis and I, even Antoine Roussel, I think, has got a, a fair bit to prove at a camp like this one. But, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't quarrel with you that Brandon Sutter is going to start the season 
on the 23-man roster of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, so that's 15 names. And then I go to probables, and here's where I've got Erickson, Roussel, Beagle, Ben, Yolevi, McEwen. Yeah, okay. So that I'm... so that gets us to 22 names. There's 22 <laughs> names before we have a single guy we think might get dropped, right? And then, you know, the next tier down would be something like Berchi, Lind, Howerluck, Chatfield. Right? Like... And then that's not even mentioning Rafferty and Jack Rathbone and Nils Hoglander, right? Or Hoglander. Uh, like, those guys are basically all in competition with your Linz and your Howerlux and your, um, you know, uh, Chatfields and, and so on. For what looks to me like one spot on the 23-man roster. Right. It, it doesn't change the... Like, we'll still be watching the bottom pairing on defense because, as you mentioned earlier, like, Hamnett gives them flexibility that, you know, Schmidt could move back to the left side and you could bump Edler down to your third pairing and then maybe the battle is for the right side on the third pair. Or if Schmidt stays on the right, Edler's now your second pair guy. And then, you know, there's that spot that I'd sort of penciled in for Yolevi, but I'm not giving him or gifting him a spot. He's still got to prove that... You know, he can handle the yes, workload of on a daily basis. But, you know, that's where I said, like, earlier, like, I was going to camp tomorrow initially thinking, like, all right, I, I can't wait to see sort of what these bottom defense pairings look like because there wasn't a hammock in my world yesterday. And now I, I certainly think that even though he's on a PTO again with the quarantine, like, I, I think it's going to be like a Mike Hoffman situation. I have yeah. to believe that there is a, an agreement in place there that's just waiting for Furlan to go on LTIR. And again, that's expected to happen sort of at the, the first day of the season, right? Like, Furlan, even though he won't pass the physical, is, is that how is that your understanding? Like, he won't pass the physical, but he won't go on LTIR until day one of the season? Uh, sorry, uh, I think that that would be their preference, yeah. And that might also mean, I mean, I'm not, I need to check my transition rules because as I said, like I need a, I need an eye of the tiger montage as I go through, Yeah, you know, I'm used to having like a, a really thorough knowledge of the rules that govern things, but I actually haven't completely mastered the nuances of the transition document. Right. Um, just cause it, it came to me over the holidays, right? Like I, I have a new puppy. Like I just haven't had time yet to <laughs> dive into it. I'm going to like, I'll know what I'm talking about better soon. So I'm not exactly sure if they've changed how, you know, the bona fide long-term injury exception, what we call LTIR. Um, I'm not exactly sure how that is impacted by the transition rules. And if sort of the way that off season versus in season LTI has changed, but in the event that he's placed on LTI, on day one, then I think you could sign Hamannick and still play him. But remember, your roster for opening day is is set once you set it, and that's a throwback to a, a loophole that the likes of Gilman and, and Canucks. Um, uh, I think he's an EVP of, uh, e, or no, he's a executive director of Hockey Ops. John Wall uh, did in 2011, right? Remember when they had like Hodgson and Schneider and all those entry level guys up, and then sent right. them down yeah. on day one to maximize their LTI from Sallow. Um, the NHL changed the rules after that. <laughs> and so, so yeah, so I'm not exactly sure if they'd be able to even have him available for game one. And considering his quarantine protocol, maybe that's how the org wants it too, right? Like maybe that's, uh, maybe Hamannick is sort of eased into the lineup in, in that first week. So uh, 
we'll see. I, I'll make some calls and, and have a better sense of it when we next record, which I'd assume would be like early this week because there's right. a lot yeah. going on. No, after a couple of sessions, uh, absolutely. We'll have to uh, drop our observations on on the VIPs. So we'll get back at it and get into the rhythm of uh, two a week here after uh, uh, we kind of went a little quiet uh, over the last few weeks of December. Uh, also, and Jim was asked a couple of times, and I, I still love, uh, you know, he, he makes mention every time that, you know, three o'clock, he's there in front of a TV watching Dr. Bonnie Henry, uh, like so many people are around the province. But, you know, he pointed out the work that Chris Bromwell and Chris Gear have done working in concert with the health authorities to make all of this happen. I see that uh, the Premier, John Horgan, tweeted out after speaking with Francesco Aquilini about the NHL's return to play plan, pleased to confirm the enhanced health measures being put in place for the upcoming season mean games can safely be played here in BC. And then he followed up with a, let's go Canucks. So the Premier is on board <laughs> on a couple of levels. And uh, I think uh, soon everybody will be uh, you know, not, not necessarily on board with the direction of the hockey club, but just the idea of hockey being back and games being played. And before you know it, uh, the season is going to open. So uh, training camp gets going on Monday at Rogers Arena. Uh, looking forward to it as I did in the summer, just looking forward to getting back in the rink and sort of being able to draw our own conclusions, right? Like it's one thing to talk about all these things hypothetically, but uh, boy, it starts now, Drancer. And uh, even though there may not be a ton of open jobs, just the idea of getting back in the rink and sort of watching these battles unfold uh, will be healing for guys like you and me. A hundred percent. Okay, I got before we end off, I got two things that I want to share with our listeners. Uh, first right. off, first off, a topic of discussion for for you and I, really quick, is uh, Travis Green's excitement about an all Canadian division was hilarious, right? Like he kept coming back to it, and yep. uh, it, it like he's. I feel like he's in the same mindset that I am, um, you know, saving to my drafts like dunks on Spectre and Simmons and company, <laughs> all of whom I really <laughs> like. By the way, I want to make that clear, but like. <laughs> I feel like he's gearing up for it the same way I am, uh, which I which I thought was hilarious. Like it is going to be insane, and I'm glad that that was reflected in the comments from the head coach today. Yeah, and we'll see if he truly believes that after seeing Matthew Kachuk and Brady Kachuk as often <laughs> as they as they have to, or McDavid, or I mean, pick your poison. But look, seeing the Flames as many times as they're going, like that's going to be cool. And now to have Hamnick on this side of the battle and uh, all the ex-Canucks there in Calgary, like every night is hockey night in Canada. Every night just presents these compelling storylines. So Oh, it's uh, Travis be has great. said that you know Travis has said it repeatedly. Like, yeah, he's a coach and he played in the NHL. He's just a hockey guy, like deep down, right? So, like, you yeah. can. Ex I think his excitement is sort of it checks off all those boxes. Just the fan in him, uh, the former player, and now the head coach that's trying to guide this team to uh, pick up where it left off in the bubble. Uh, no, you're right. Like, there were sort of ebbs and flows in the press availability, but anytime that notion of the Canadian division came up, you could see sort of the spike in enthusiasm uh, in the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, and so t thing I want to bring up, number two, Troy Stetcher did not vomit at the Bagskate day in Detroit today. <laughs> Dan Murphy confirms on Twitter, which speaks, I actually think, to the hot starts that we keep talking about, that the Canucks get in um, get off to under green typically like clearly the bag skate thing is unlike what we've seen before right it's a different sort of level it seems and I have the name for the drill itself and I just wanted to share that with our listeners the the 
beep test bag skate, as I've been describing it for years uh, since returning to this market anyway. It's called 40s. When, when the players do that, they're skating 40s. And I don't know why it's called 40s, but I figured I'd share that so that we have the technical name of the drill now to buttress our, um, you know, uh, commentary on it in the days ahead. Is that like the 40 meter dash? I don't know. I don't honestly know. I wonder if it's like 40 seconds. Like in totality, like back and yeah, like it's it's, it's, it's back, definitely not it's up 40 and back seconds. And up and, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it's called 40s. I just know that yeah. it's called 40s. All right. Yeah. Well, that's a start. We, yeah. That's the start. We've got the name, and we've, now we've we'll got more down. work to do. But <laughs> we, but we will do it, right? Like yes, that's a exactly. it's a perfect bit of ephemera to pick at. Um, no, well, I like I'm, that. That's... I'm excited to see you at the rink tomorrow, man. I'm excited to be at the rink tomorrow, <laughs> and hopefully the. I mean, I, I can feel it out there on social as well. Like people are excited. It, 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 I mean, look, we've waited a long time. These are uncertain times. Obviously, there's light at the end of the tunnel, but to have hockey back will be comforting and. Uh, not just for us, but I think for listeners as well and anybody that uh, has missed the game. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll get back into the rhythm and the routine of pumping out a couple of pods a week with uh, uh, all the latest from Canucks camp and then into the regular season. Uh, if you're looking for other pod options, we'll allow you to stray. Don't leave us entirely, but uh, lots of great options at The Athletic. Uh, Blue Jackets captain Nick Felino and his wife Janelle are Craig Custance's guests this week on the full 60 at The Athletic, so you can check that out. And please check out our comments section and leave your thoughts. If you've got uh, things you want us to talk about, topics you want us to address, guests that you'd like to see us, we'll get back into uh, bringing some guests onto the program. We've got some pretty cool ideas on that front as well. So check out our comments section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app and rate and subscribe to VanCast on Apple. And if you aren't already a subscriber, starting January 4th of this year, 2021, Go to theathletic.com slash vancast and receive a subscription for just $3.99 a month. Again, that's theathletic.com slash thevancast. Hey, Drancer. Yes, sir. I'll see you at the rink. Yes, let's go. Give us a sound effect of getting to the <laughs> rink. Um, of me getting to the rink? Of any um, of us. Of any of us. Um, whew. <laughs> oh. Vroom? I'm not vrooming to the yes. rink. I'm out of shape. <laughs> it's more like a heavy <laughs> panting, like a. Uh, I'll be vrooming. I'll be vrooming. I can't wait. Look forward to see you vrooming. I will be wretched, having walked to the rink and fatigued, despite uh, the the you know energy that I'm burning with my pup. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's gonna take me a bit. It's gonna take. Me- I haven't even read the transition rules in full. Like I, I don't have a mastery of the rules. Um, until that time, I'm going to be showing up to the rink, like, with at least a, a decent heaping of anxiety. That's just, like, how I'm wired, you know? Until I know that I know, I'm going to be there, like, I hope something doesn't happen that I don't understand. Uh, that's just how I function. So, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's a relatively quiet couple of days while I cram and, uh, and make sure to fill my head with everything I need. Work out the kinks, and yep. away we go. Uh, hockey season is here. Uh, for Drancer, it's J-Pat. Thanks so much as always. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, you're listening to the Mancast here at The Athletic and TheAthletic.com. <laughs>